You know, when my son Grant was younger, he had chronic ear infections. And as a parent, that's just really hard to watch. You know, the crying and the tugging of the ear. And I guess, let's face it, nothing is too small or too large when it comes to our kids and the health of our kids. And that's what we're going to explore today and so much more. I'm Gina Melton with the Just Kids Health Podcast from Children's Hospital and Medical Center. Join me as I talk with the region's pediatric experts about everything related to children's health, from medical issues to mental health, all to keep your child healthy, safe, and strong. So important. So just sit back and listen or multitask like the super parent you are. Now today I'd like to welcome pediatrician Dr. Melissa St. Germain to discuss ear, nose, and throat issues in children. But first, I noticed this is really neat. Uh, The doctors at Children's are amazing and you actually volunteered at the hospital when you were a a teenager, right? I did, yes. I was born and raised in Omaha and grew up here and um, got to experience the loveliness of children's physicians and doctors uh, as I was growing up. I had asthma and um, spent some time in the emergency department, but as a teenager, I um, was able to volunteer at Children's Hospital. It was in the old building back then, but I made... um, Um, crib cards for the NICU babies. So I got to put their names on it and use my creativity to put some cute little flourishes on those cards. So that really spiked my interest in in helping kids. Well, how neat. That's really cool. As far as ear infections, how can you tell if your child has an ear infection, especially a baby or a toddler who can't tell you, right? Yeah, ear infections are so common. Um, up to 65% of kids have had an ear infection by the time they turn a year old, and up to 90% of kids have had an ear infection by the time they turn seven. So they're really common in that first few years of life. Uh, they tend to follow after a cold. So kids get colds, runny noses, viral respiratory infections really frequently in those first couple of years of life. And if you think about the anatomy of the ear, the mid, the middle ear space that has the bones that conduct hearing also has air in it, and it's connected to your nose through your eustachian tube. And so anytime your nose gets really stuffy, that can close off that eustachian tube, and then fluid can collect in that middle ear space, and um, it's hard for it to get out in a little kid who's got a tiny little nose and tiny little eustachian tubes. And so when that fluid collects in the middle ear space, it can grow bacteria, and that's what we call an ear infection. Um, And so a lot of times they have the cold first, right? They develop the runny nose, the snotty nose, the fever, the irritability. And then in a lot of colds, that goes away within 10 to 14 days is how we usually, how long we usually expect a cold to last. But in kids who develop an ear infection, it might be during that second week that all of a sudden they get fussier again, or they start tugging on their ears or poking in their ears, or they were sleeping better, but now they're not sleeping at all. And those are signs of a secondary bacterial infection like an ear infection. Yeah, I always knew when my son Grant had one when he, you know, he would start tugging on his ear and then he'd get really, really fussy when he was normally just this really, you know, even tempered child. So I, I, I can see what you're saying now. How can I kind of stop those or how can parents stop those reoccurring ear infections? I'm sure that's a question a lot of people want to know. How do we do that? Yeah, absolutely. So when our kids, especially if they're in a daycare center or around a lot of other kids in that first couple of years of life, we expect that they might get seven to 10 colds per year. And if each cold lasts two weeks, that's a lot of weeks that they're suffering with some of those respiratory symptoms like the runny nodes and things like that. So anything we can do that keeps the nose cleared out will help 
will help promote drainage from the ears um, and keep that fluid from collecting. So if your kid's got a really stuffy nose and they're not able to blow their nose yet because they're only a year old and you haven't, right. they don't know how to do that, um, help them get rid of the mucus that's in there. So either using um, nasal saline to flush things out or using a bulb suction or um, they make like the nose Frida and those other kinds of devices that help you suction out your baby's nose, that really can help prevent ear infections. The other things that help, um, breastfeeding for at least six months reduces your risk of ear infections by 25%. And um, really just cleaning out those uh, the nose and making sure that there's not fluid collecting in the middle ear. Mm-hmm. That's important. Is that a sign of something more serious, an ear infection? Is that something to be concerned about? Not usually. Um, Because the majority of kids get one, at least one, and some kids get a lot more than one, Mm -hmm. most of the time it's just the fact that they're small and that they're getting a lot of colds. Um, And again, those kids who are around a lot of other kids are going to get more colds, so they're more likely to get more ear infections. So um, children who stay at home for the whole first year of life are going to get fewer colds and fewer ear infections. Eventually, they get exposed to those cold viruses. And, right. and so sometimes the kids who've been home for their first five years are sick half of kindergarten because they haven't been exposed to any of those viruses yet. But um, really just, uh, again, helping keep that nose clear is the best thing you can do to help those ears clear. And just hoping that they'll wash their hands when they're in school. That too, yeah. Right. Teaching them to keep things out of their mouth. That helps also. <laughs> Thank goodness for teachers who encourage that at school. Mm-hmm. I think that's wonderful. Um Children with nosebleeds and frequent nosebleeds. Uh, My son's doing wrestling, so that's like a whole different thing because I see a lot of nosebleeds there. But the nosebleeds where their kind of nose is dry, um, is is that a sign of something more serious? And how can we kind of, you know, help with that? Yeah, winter in Nebraska, usually our relative humidity is about zero. And so we see a lot of the dry air and the the dry nose kind of comes along with that. And so generally, kids who are getting recurrent bloody noses, it's dry air and it's digging for gold. Young kids (laughs) like to to get fingers up there and those blood vessels are kind of easily traumatized. And so if you've got your finger up there a lot, you're more likely to get bloody noses too. So really um, encouraging them to keep their fingers out of there. Masks have helped with that too. It's a lot harder to get your finger in your nose if you've got a mask covering it. So, um, but again, nasal saline really helps if you've got, if it's the really dry air, um, squirting nasal saline up into the nasal cavities helps. Uh, Running a humidifier in the child's room at night if they tend to have bloody noses can help too. Mm -hmm. And then when you get a bloody nose, um, it's really tempting to hold it for a second and then see if it stopped, right? And every time you take the tissue away to see if it stopped, you can open those blood vessels back up again. So really, if you've got a bloody nose, you want to try to hold pressure for at least five minutes before you take that tissue away. And usually that is enough, long enough to form a blood clot and stop it from bleeding. Bloody noses that last longer than 20 minutes are ones we worry more about. Mm -hmm. So those you probably want to call your doctor or if they're getting them really frequently and you've done the nose sprays and you've done the keeping their fingers out of there and you're not getting better, um, that's a time to call your doctor too. Mm -hmm. Now, do you lean back when you do that or is that that not the good thing to do? Just kind of a little bit forward, I would say. If you lean Mm -hmm. way back, all that blood goes down the back of your throat and that can irritate your stomach. Mm -hmm. Um, And some kids will throw up if they've got a lot of blood down there. So a little bit leaning a little bit forward actually works better. Parenting is hard work. Parenting during a pandemic is even harder. 
Parenting You from Children's is here to help. With our new virtual format, you can watch short videos on some of parenting's most popular and challenging topics at your convenience. Visit childrensomaha.org slash parenting you today. Now, I know like we expect parents to snore, like husbands to snore, but kids can actually snore too. Is it common for a child to snore at night? When kids are sick, when they've got respiratory infections, colds, things like that, we're more likely to hear snoring because that'll swell all the tissues in the back of the nose and the back of the throat. Mm -hmm. Um, You've got parts of your immune system in both of those areas. So in the back of your throat, you've got your tonsils. Most people know what those look like. And those tend to swell if they're fighting off an infection. In the back of your nose, you've got adenoids, which are similar, kind of in the same line as tonsils, but higher up. And if those do the same thing, they swell if if you've got an infection, if they're trying to fight something off. Um, And so that's okay. If kids are snoring when they're sick and it goes away when they get better, that's normal. If you've got a child who snores loudly, all the time, every night. That's probably something that needs a a visit to their pediatrician or to their doctor. Um, Especially if they're having any symptoms of apnea, where you hear pauses in their breathing, and then (laughs) kind of like they're trying to catch their breath. That's not normal in a child. So if you're hearing that, that's something that needs to be evaluated. I didn't even know kids could have kind of sleep apnea. That's interesting. They can. And um, one of the causes is sort of recurrent tonsil infections, adenoid infections. Another cause is obesity. So just like in adults, the more extra weight we're carrying around our neck area, the more likely that um, windpipe is to kind of collapse down when we sleep. And that's uh, another thing that causes that sleep apnea. Interesting. So it's important to Call your pediatrician at Children's when you when you see something like that happening. And sometimes if we're not sure, they'll recommend what's called a sleep study, where we actually monitor the child all through the night and monitor their oxygen levels and um, making sure that they're getting adequate oxygen as they sleep. That can help us determine sometimes if, if the sleep apnea is severe enough to warrant some kind of intervention. Now, can tonsils be the, the, the cause of you know, a child's ENT problems in general? They can, yes. Um, And so when kids are really small and they're fighting off lots of infections, normal respiratory infections, viruses that they get exposed to, um, those tonsils work harder because they are part of the immune system. And so they swell up more frequently. As kids get older, they swell up less frequently. Um, And so a lot of times we'll see them look fairly big in younger kids and then smaller as the kids get older. And so kids who are getting lots of tonsil infections, I'm talking like seven in a year or five a year for a couple years, um, those are kids that might need their tonsils out. But a lot of kids, um, you know, if they're having three or four infections a year, but we can get them cleared up with antibiotics and they don't have symptoms in between, their tonsils might be just fine Mm -hmm. and um, are going to shrink down as they get bigger. Is there a certain age that kids get more ear infections? Like, does it start to taper off as they get older? Yeah, ear infections are more common in kids under the age of two because they're exposed to so many respiratory viruses that their immune system's never seen before. Um, and because of their anatomy, those that nose is smaller, the eustachian tubes are smaller, the middle ears are smaller. And so as they grow, they tend to get fewer infections, fewer colds, and fewer ear infections. So most of the time, um, if kids make it till age two, 
without needing to get like ear tubes, then they're probably not going to need them. So ear tubes are what um, the ENTs will put in for kids who have recurrent ear infections. So for most kids, it's they have more than about four to six ear infections over a six-month period of time. Uh, then we'll have them go see the ear, nose, and throat specialists, and they'll talk about putting tubes in. And tubes go into the tympanic membrane, which is the eardrum, and they're a little kind of collar button tube that is designed to stay in there and allow fluid to drain out instead of collecting and creating infection. Um, and then they tend to fall out on their own after about six to 12 months as the, as the tympanic membrane grows, the tube stays the same size and eventually falls out on its own. Um, but those can be a really good way to prevent those recurrent infections in kids in that younger age group. I've heard that's kind of a game changer because <laughs> for a lot of kids it is, yes. So I'm sure parents are wondering when kids get ear infections, are antibiotics always necessary for those? Not always. Now, the little kids, especially under six months, the kids who can't tell you when they're feeling better um, and the kids who are at a little bit higher risk of severe infection um, need antibiotics for most of their bacterial ear infections. But kids who are older, who don't have severe symptoms, who are able to tolerate the pain, who don't have fevers, sometimes those kids don't need antibiotics. And if you look at the data, up to 60% of ear infections will clear on their own without antibiotics. So those older kids and the ones who don't have fevers can usually get away without them. Um, the kids that need antibiotics usually end up on a seven to 10 day course of those. That's good information to have. Thank you so much. Thanks for coming in today. I know parents are going to be really interested in this because I feel like, including my son Grant, a lot of people are dealing with kids who have ear infections and just need the information. So thank you so much. Thank you. And thank you so much for listening to the Just Kids Health Podcast. Please remember to rate, review, and subscribe. And for more information on how we can help your child, visit childrensomaha.org and follow us on social media.